0: good morning everybody so good to see everybody here we are in a uh, series kinda right in the middle of a series called things Jesus never said and uh, it's easy to listen to someone and think you're hearing what they're saying but not really actually interpreting it correctly understanding what they're saying like the kid will raised in a family pretty big family and Whenever his parents would talk about the goodwill and kind of taking old used stuff from their house and giving it to the goodwill, he would always get confused because he always thought that that meant they were going to give it to some kid named Will who was good. (laughs) And so, really. And and so he's this little kid, and his parents would come up to him and say, if you don't behave, we're going to take all your stuff and pack it up and give it to the goodwill. And he would think, great, there's this kid named Will who's going to get all my cool stuff, just because he's good. It's easy to misinterpret something people are saying. I, I, this is embarrassing, this is an embarrassing story, but I, I remember a couple years ago, several years ago, thankfully, every year is a win, that I distance myself from this, but I remember an Easter in which I was talking about uh, the disciples meeting Jesus on the road to Emmaus and how their hearts were strangely warmed and I was talking about how God wants to set our hearts on fire for him and in the middle of the service in the middle of the sermon this big community outreach Easter service I challenged the church and I said with confidence God wants to set all of our farts on fire <laughs> I don't know why I said it, I don't know what was going on, but people laughed and, then, and never let me forget it. And, and then at the end of the service, during the prayer time, the music is playing and it's a serious time, you know, at the end, and I don't know, it was just caught in my head. And I, I prayed the same thing again, I, Lord, just set all of our farts on fire. Thankfully, he didn't do it, and uh, we're here today to talk about it. I feel bad for, <laughs> I feel bad for anybody that was there that day going, is that what God is saying? That's not what God is saying, and sometimes we get it messed up, don't we, as human beings? What God is saying, and those things that we think he's saying, but he's not saying, can really screw us up, can... Heap guilt on you. It can cause you to live under shame. It can cause you to always feel like you don't measure up. What are some of those things? Well, the thing I'm going to talk about today, see if you've ever heard this in your own thinking, thinking maybe it was how God thought, what God said, kind of goes like this. If I was a good Christian, God would be good to me. I would feel God's love. I would experience him more but I don't feel him as often as I think I should, so something's probably messed up with me. Or maybe, maybe you struggle with a sin repeatedly, the same thing over and over again, and you feel and you think that God thinks, man, if you were a serious Christian, you wouldn't be struggling with that right now. Or maybe it's gone like this for you, is that God loves to bless people who walk in his will, and because I don't feel that he's blessing me or my life, I must have missed his will somewhere. I don't know where, but I guess I'll just always kind of live under this thing where God's not blessing me. I look around and God's blessing other people, but God's not blessing me. You ever hear any of those things? Anybody? Anybody ever think that, feel that, hear that? I certainly have. I remember when I moved here to Spokane, we had left a church that we had planted in Prescott, Arizona. We moved up here uh, kind of in faith. Someone had given us a travel trailer. We pulled it up here. We we lived up by Deer Park in a travel trailer. We had made these sacrifices. We left all of my family back in Arizona. Uh, We're up here. We're excited. We're we're living by faith. Uh, We're running out of money. And I'm thinking, you know, I have a background in computers. I think I can get a job, no problem. And probably a really good paying job in Spokane, Washington. And little did I know, you know, that was really tough. That first year, uh, man, just trying to find a job was hard. And then when I finally did, it was this entry level, low paying job, barely, barely uh, fed the family and finally ran out of money. And I was in line for government food stamps. And I'm sitting there just in this long line and just going, God, what are you doing? Where are you? I made, look at all these things I've done for you, God. You know, living good, making this move, sacrificing, suffering. Lord, where are you? Where's the blessings coming my way? Maybe I missed God. Maybe I missed his will. It's easy, isn't it, to kind of translate the blessings of God into just like, how am I doing financially? Or the blessings of God into, do I have a a minimum amount of problems compared to other people? And thinking that if we do, that somehow God's pleased with us and therefore he's going to do all these cool things for us. In the Old Testament, the leader Gideon said it this way. He was talking to an angel. He's in the middle of trials and problems and warfare. And he he says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, if the Lord's with you, why are you going through what you're going through? That's what Gideon said. Sounds familiar to me. So let me ask the question, is it true that if God loves you and if you keep his commandments, then you're going to be blessed and not have to experience trouble, pain, suffering, and difficulties? Is that true? Is that how you think? Let's look at what Jesus said to his disciples. You remember he gathered these disciples and then he mobilized them and he sent them out in two by two and he gave them this motivational speech before he sent them out. And then it's found in Matthew 10. And you'll remember, here's some of the things he said. I'm going to send you out now as little sheep into the wolves. And when you're arrested, don't worry about what you'll say because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that moment. And oh, yeah, people are going to hate you because of me. And oh, yeah, one more thing. They'll kill your body, but they can't touch your soul. You're good to go? What a pep talk. Most of the early disciples of Jesus paid with their life for following him. Jesus said in, Matthew, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, did he say that you might have trouble? No, he said... You will have trouble. You will have trouble. You'll have disappointments. You'll have difficulties and discouragements in life. You'll have setbacks. You'll have suffering and sorrow. There's sickness. There's frustration. There's failure. There's fatigue. He said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Don't be shocked when you encounter various trials. The truth that we need to lay hold of this morning is that you can be a committed Christian and still have hard days and hard seasons of life. You can be very close to Jesus and still end up in a world of trouble. And just because you fail repeatedly doesn't mean that you don't love God. And just because you're experiencing bouts of depression or anxiety doesn't mean you're not trusting God. And just because you doubt doesn't mean that you don't believe God. And just because you suffer, it doesn't mean you're not being blessed by God. That's the truth every great backpacking trip that I've ever been on, there are highs and lows. There are valleys and mountaintops. And what makes the mountaintops amazing is the struggle that it took to get there. Isn't that true? Some of us right now, this morning, are struggling with fear or depression, struggling with health issues, financial setbacks, maybe experiencing uh, the grief of the death of a loved one. And if the Bible is truly relevant to our lives, this doesn't just talk about how to be happy or holy. It talks about how to live life in the trenches and how to walk through dark valleys. The shepherd after God's own heart, David, he wrote Psalm 23. And uh, many of us have heard and know this psalm, but verse 4 is the one that pops out for me. He said, even though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David was a shepherd in Israel, and he would take the sheep up to where green pasture was, up into the highlands, but in order to get there, he would have to go through something called the valley of the shadow of death, which was a very narrow, deep canyon in which the sun would only come overhead for a little bit of time at at noon. And the rest of the time, it was dark. There were shadows. It was a difficult place to go through. And when it's dark in our lives, it can be difficult to navigate the path. It It can feel scary. But the thing to remember is that valleys are temporary places. They're not places that we make as our permanent location. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Valleys are places to get through, not to live in forever. We walk through a situation, a circumstance. It's not a dead end. We walk through them. God says, I'll be with you. So what do you do when you go through dark valleys? David said this. He said, I will fear no evil. That means that when you're in a place of discouragement, when you're in a place of darkness, when you're in a place of calamity, it's important to not allow fear to grab hold of your heart and begin making the decisions for you. Amen. It's important to allow the faith that God has put within you to rise, as we were singing about earlier. David had plenty of opportunities to be afraid, David was pursued many times within his life. From enemies. And the temptation when we're feeling under attack is to allow fear to begin to rule our thinking and rule our hearts. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of death, you walk through it. You walk through it. You don't run in a panic through it. You walk decisively, faithfully, through the valleys that we find ourselves in. David said, I'm not going to be afraid. Now, the fear that grips our heart is often the thing that we're we're projecting too small of a slice of the present into too much of the future. We're going, my current way I think and feel and circumstances I'm living in are probably the lot that I have in my life now from now until Jesus comes back. We have a tendency to do that, don't we? And yet... God wants us to realize that He is there. He's there to help us to not react and respond to that fear. So what are you focusing on this morning? Are you focusing on your problem, or are you focusing on the power of God that will get you through that problem? Not on the situation. Focus on the Savior. Not on your problem, but on God's power. Colossians 1 verse 11 says, God will strengthen you with His own great power, so that you will not give up when trouble comes, but you will be patient." Now, that's a, tall, that's a tall statement there. That's a difficult one to believe, because without God in your life, you can't do it. Human energy runs out. I mean, we, we all have been given a certain amount of ability to kind of buckle down and make it through something, but human stamina runs dry. And without a relationship with God, without the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, you won't have what it takes to make it through what you're going through. Amen. See, in the valleys of life, you need a power source bigger than yourself. You need a power source that goes beyond you, that's not of you, that's of, of God's Spirit in you and through you. The other thing to remember that David tells us in this one verse in Psalm 23:4 is remember that God is with you. David said, for you, you, God, you will be with me. You're with me every moment. God has not only promised his power for us, but he's promised us his presence. Meaning that everything and anything you're going through, God wants to walk with you through it. To get you through it. You'll never go through a valley all by yourself. You'll never have to face a dark day alone. God says, I will be with you. Isaiah 43, too, I love this passage. God said, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Isn't that good news? Amen. I mean, we, we'll, we're going to get wet. He said, but you won't drown. It's going to get hot, but you won't be burned up. I'll be with you every step of the way through your valleys. God doesn't look down from heaven and say, Oh, man, I hope you make it. He doesn't look down at you and go, Good luck with all that, dude. No, God says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'll be with you. You can count on it. Notice the relationship that David had with God in this time of the valley. When you look at the psalm, 23 and you look at verse 4 it gets really personal and there's something about valleys that really we get personal with God it's in our brokenness it's in our fear it's in that place of the unknown that we call out to God that's where I find I've grown closest to God is not on the mountaintops it's in the valleys it's where the ultimate becomes the intimate It's where we stop talking about God and we start talking to God. Religion becomes a relationship. God wants to have that face-to-face encounter with you. He wants us to know Him that when we're depleted and spent and when we've done everything we can to fix a situation and we can't, rather than being afraid to know that God is with us, that we're not doing it alone, and that we have an opportunity to grow in intimacy with Christ in those moments of, of pain, in those moments of difficulty. It says you're closest to God in the valley, not on the mountaintop. The last thing that I see in this verse, poor, is that David is saying that it's in the valley that we can be comforted. We need to rely on God's comfort in that place. David reminds himself that it's God's rod and his staff that will comfort me. And uh the rod was an interesting device. it was a weapon used by a shepherd and if the shepherd was skilled this it was about two feet long, it had a knot at the end, and the shepherd would throw it i mean it would it would be like a missile coming at a wolf or a lion or a bear or whatever was attacking the sheep god's word is is like a rod it's a weapon. The scripture says that it's it's a sword. It's living. It's active. And that's why it's so important to read it and learn it and put it in your heart. Because it's in those times when you're in the valley that you'll need to draw from the reservoir or whatever was put in there. Amen. Not out of guilt. Not out of obligation to check a box and read it or else I'm not a good Christian. It's about the fact that there's nourishment in his word. And there's Truth in his word that gives us the ability to fight the good fight of faith. It's like that rod that the shepherd uses. And then there's the staff. And the staff was a completely different stick. It was a taller stick. It had a crook on the end. And the shepherd would use the staff to guide a sheep. He would prod the sheep or he would pull the sheep in closer to him if he was starting to wander. Or if a sheep was downcast, which means that they were put on their their back and can't get up, it would help the sheep get back up on his feet. Great picture. The rod and the staff of God comforts us in those times to know that God is involved and he's caring and he's shepherding and he's he's comforting us, he's protecting us. Psalm 3419 says, The righteous person faces many troubles. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Who faces many troubles? The righteous person. The godly person. The person walking in God's will. The person that's trying to live their life in a way that honors and glorifies God. That's the person. We encounter trouble. We're not going to be delivered always from it. God is going to walk with us through it. And that's how he rescues. And that's how he delivers. Jerry Sitzer, professor at Whitworth University in 1991, was traveling with his mother, his wife, Linda, and their four children. And A drunk driver traveling in the wrong lane hit the car with such force that his wife, his mother, and his four-year-old daughter were were killed. He and three of his children survived. But on that day, they lost three generations of Sitzer. In his struggle with intense grief, Jerry tells of a dream he had. And in this dream, he was facing the west, which is, I think, that way. And he's facing west where the sun was going down. And he began to run towards the sun to stay within its warmth and its glow. And in this dream, Jerry was running to stay up with the sun so darkness wouldn't overtake him. But he knew he was losing. He soon realized it was futile and losing all hope, he believed, he would just have to live in darkness forever. Then someone appeared to him and counseled him to turn into the darkness and run toward the east. The quickest way to reach the sun and the light of day was not running to the west. It was running into the darkness to the east because soon the sun would rise again. By doing this, he began to face his grief. By facing the grief and entering into the darkness, he pressed through it to a place where he found God's light. He says it's not what happened to us that matters most, it's what happens in us that matters most. In his book called A Grace Skies*, Jerry said, I discovered in that moment that I had the power to choose the direction my life would head. I decided from that point on to walk into the darkness rather than to try and outrun it. Let my experience of loss take me on a journey wherever it would lead and to allow myself to be transformed by my suffering rather than to think that somehow I could avoid it. Bless you. (laughs) What are you facing today? What is it that you're facing? What are you trying to outrun, hoping it won't catch up to you? Where is it that you're fearing? What pain or grief are you having to deal with? Remember that the good shepherd is walking with you through it. Remember that God has night vision. He can see in the dark. And he can guide you through the dark place that you feel you're in. Amen. Intimacy with God has developed in the valleys better than it is on the mountaintops. Amen. That God is rescuing And he's calling us to just turn to him in humility and in that place of brokenness, in that place where there's unknowns, to call on his name and know that he is not only there, but he actually cares for you. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? I want to read Romans chapter 8 over us, um, just a section here. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelmingly, victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you are here this morning and you're in a, in a place of a valley. You're in a place where you've been fearing, You're in a dark tunnel and... I'm inviting you to turn your eyes upward to look. Look to God. Look to Jesus Christ. Remember that He is there with you. God sent His only Son, Jesus, to this world to live and die and resurrect for you. He brought you here to this place for a reason, for a purpose, to hear this today, to speak into your life and into your heart and into your circumstances. And I want to give you that opportunity if you're here and you know you've delayed for days or weeks or years to turn your life over to Christ give your life to God, to allow Jesus to forgive your sins and to live in you and through you, empower you with the Spirit, then I, I want to pray specifically for you and ask you to pray this to God right now in this moment. Jesus, I'm opening my heart to you right now. Lord, you see my life. You know my struggles. You know where I've made a mess. You know where I've hurt others and hurt your heart. And I'm asking right now in this moment, God, that you forgive me, humbling myself and just asking the Lord, come into my life. Change me, make me new. Help me become aware of your presence and to begin to grow in a relationship with you. I need that and I want that, and I'm asking for that right now. In Jesus' name. And just during this moment while we're praying, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand to let me know? I prayed that prayer. I want that. That's me. Good for you. Yeah, good. Good. Anyone else? God's speaking to you. I see you, brother back there. Yep. Yep. Up there. Yep. Good. These are important decisions, folks that that's not a small thing when you lift your hand to God and you say, Lord, I'm asking for that because that's your faith at work. And Lord, I'm praying right now that you would pour into these who have asked you into their life and into their heart and that you would begin, Lord, a fresh new work, giving them new perspective. Lord, giving them a power they haven't had before to be able to not just cope but to overcome in the midst of their circumstances. Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that you will show us that you are with us. And for those that are going through fear right now, I want to specifically pray for you. Whoever you are, you're looking at your circumstances, you're looking into the future, and you're projecting, and what you're projecting is something based on fear. And if you are ready to renounce that right now, I want to pray this with you and ask that you pray it. In Jesus' name, I'm renouncing the fear that's been gripping my heart, projecting into the future, worst-case stuff, and I turn my back on that today, and I'm instead exercising the faith, God, you have given me, and I'm going to walk in faith, and I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and I'm turning away from fear right now in this moment. Friend, if that was you, would you lift your hand right now as your pronouncement of that? Amen. All over the room. Yeah. Lord, you hear our declarations, and Lord, we're serious about this. We really are turning away from that fear, and we are going to walk through the things that we have in front of us with eyes of faith, knowing you are with us, knowing that you will comfort us, and knowing, God, that you have overcome the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Oh, good. If, uh, if you were one who prayed to receive the Lord um, and that was your first time, would you um, just walk in some courage, maybe come down and tell Pastor Mike or, or one of our prayer team up here and let them pray with you this morning. And then if you're new here, don't worry, we've got, uh, or excuse me, if you're new here, we got First Connect right after service, and don't worry about kiddos. You can leave kiddos down there. We'll only take about five minutes, and I'll meet you under the monitor. Um, so go ahead and stand with me, and let's... let's um, Let's go out in glory. Here's, here's, here's what I want to ask as you go out this morning. I want to ask if you would go out focused on the Lord. Focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is protector, comforter, right, redeemer. Not on the fear, not giving uh, attention to the fear, but standing in faith knowing that Jesus is with us and that he has, he is, and he will overcome the world. So let's go out and live that out this week. We'll see you back next week. <laughs> Have a great week. I've got a strong